turn, if you would, to John chapter 10. I love that line that the death of death happened in the death of Christ. Because Jesus doesn't stay in the tomb, right? He rises up out of the grave. And there's no greater news in all the world than that message. So I'm going to say, he is risen. And then you all are going to say, he is risen indeed. Okay? He is risen. He is risen indeed. All right. Now, so that all of Smithfield hears. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Amen. Let's come before the Lord and pray together. Father God, we just thank you for this glorious day that this is the greatest news for a world that is utterly needy of it. Lord, we, we have no other hope than the good news of the gospel, Lord. And I thank you for these who have come to worship with us today, to gather, to hear about the glorious news of Easter. The glorious news that changed the face of human history. The glorious news of you breaking in in a supernatural way and raising up Jesus from the dead in glorious vindication of who he is and what he came to do to be a savior of sinners. And he can save to the uttermost all who draw near to him. And I pray, Father, that wherever we are at today, whether we've come in discouraged whether we've come in just full of joy and elated at the glory of Easter, or whether we're just needing hope on this Sunday. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would open our eyes, that you would unplug our ears, and that your spirit would minister to us. And Lord, that I wouldn't get in the way, but that your word would come forth in the power of the spirit with clarity, with compassion, with grace, with truth, and Lord, that you would grip our hearts. You have us here for a reason today, to honor your name, but also to encounter the risen Christ. Because he, he didn't stay in the tomb, but he is risen, and he changes lives. And so we just thank you for that. We pray that your spirit would move on our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the good news shepherd is the one who brings to us the hope of the resurrection on Sunday, Easter Sunday at that. And Billy Graham once said that he knows of no other hope for our world than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that couldn't be more than true, right? We look at the culture around us. It doesn't take long to just look at the world for a little bit. You just look over the past couple weeks and you see a tragic school shooting, right? A horror of darkness just unfolded before our eyes. And it's not the first time it's happened. It seems like it's happening every week. And then you look and you see uh, doctors and, and physicians and nurses committing fraud and extorting money in ways that you think, well, it doesn't matter how educated you are, sin is still a problem for all of us. And then you look and you see broken marriages and you see the difficulty going on in the family life. You see homes that have broken up. 
You see hearts that are breaking. And we look in the world and we just know, right? We know that something is wrong. And Easter Sunday is an announcement about what God has done to put it right. Easter Sunday, we're here today to gather about someone who can actually deal with darkness and somebody who can actually deal with the darkness even in our own human hearts, right? Because we don't have to look further than our own hearts to realize that we need help. And deep down in the deepest recess of our heart, we know what the prophet Jeremiah said so long ago, that the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And so the Bible puts forward a problem for all of us to take stock of today. And the problem is the human heart. The problem is what sin has done in our world. And I want to share with us a message today from John 10. And you might be like, Peter, I I understand like John 10 is in the middle of the gospel of John. And I thought we're supposed to be like at the end where Jesus gets raised from the dead. Right. So why are we starting here? Why are we talking about the good shepherd today when we need to be talking? We need to be with the women at the, the, the tomb Watching Jesus rise up out of the grave. But we're here in John 10 to see what good news we have from this shepherd. Because John, you don't have to wait till the end of the gospel of John to get the hope of the resurrection. You can look right at John 10 and see it. Look with me really quick to show you why we're here today. Verse 17, Jesus says this. He says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. Who talks like that, right? Jesus is like, I have the authority to lay down my life on the cross. His life wasn't taken from him. He gave it of his own accord. And then he says, I have the authority to raise it up again. The good shepherd is in total control of his life. And he willingly goes to a cross And he reminds us in this passage that I'm able to make death work backwards and rise up out of the grave. And nobody in here has hope beyond the grave apart from this glorious news. But the greatest news is that this is true. Like it's either true or it isn't. And when you get to the end of this little section in verse 19... This kind of talk causes a division among the people. Verse 19 says, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and he's insane. Why listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind man? 
Now, just previous to this section in John, Jesus encounters a man who was born blind. And he touches his life and tells him to go wash his eyes in the pool of Siloam. And he receives sight. And everybody's scandalized by what happened. And, and the Jewish authorities are upset about it because they don't want Jesus to look like the good guy here. They don't want Jesus to actually uh, uh, get the credit for this miracle. And so they're, they're after him from the start. And ultimately, what happens is you can't, like when they investigate it, you cannot shirk the reality that the man was born blind. They go to his parents. They said, surely this man hasn't been born blind. And they say, as, for as long as we knew him, he was born blind. And he's like, he's of age. Go ask him. And then they go to him. And he says, listen, all I know was I was blind and now I see. And then Jesus enters into this discourse in John 10 and tells us that he is the good shepherd. And it scandalizes people. He must have a demon to be talking like this that he can raise the dead. And that he's going to die and rise up out of the grave. And others said, how can he actually be a demon if he opens the eyes of a man born blind. So today as we enter in on Easter Sunday, there is no fence sitting with Jesus. He either is who he claimed to be, or he's an imposter or a fake or something worse, like a lunatic. Because nobody says the things Jesus says. Unless they're true from a sane mind. But Jesus says him, and the Father raises him from the dead and authenticates every claim Jesus ever made. So you might be in here today wondering, like, is this legit? Like, is this real? Like, is the resurrection thing real? Does it make a difference? Can it change a life? And for those of you who don't know me, 20 years ago or so, um, I used to be one of those people who hated Christians. I, I laughed at the gospel. I didn't want people talking about the gospel to me. I was, you know, mocking Christianity, maligning these things. And I would have been one of the ones that says, Jesus is crazy. Anybody who talks like that's crazy. And then God began to bring me to a place where I started to see like something was wrong inside. And the party scene and the drug scene and the, 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 the lifestyle that, that the world was putting forward. Like, just, just have fun. Get wasted. Just seek after that relationship that's going to satisfy. Just try to get that good job and that 401k and that house. And that right spouse. And then everything will be happily ever after. But everything I was chasing after was just like evaporating in my life. And in a low moment, 
I was restricted in the barracks in the Marine Corps for my sins, basically. And God sent somebody to share the gospel with me. God sent somebody to tell me that I was running from the good news shepherd. And that I've been running from God. I've been broken because of my sin and I've been on the run. And that deep down, I would not be made whole unless I turned my life over to Christ. Because Jesus is who he claimed to be. Because Jesus is the Lord. He is the one who came to die on a cross. He is the one who laid down his life for our sins. He is the one who raised up out of the grave, authenticating his claims. And he's not crazy, and he's not demon-possessed. He is the Son of God. And I knelt down that night, and I just prayed, Lord, if you're real, please forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. Please forgive me. And it was just like a hundred gallons of liquid love just poured over me. And I began to be shepherded that day by the Lord. And it changed me forever. No longer mocked Christians. But I went into work talking about Jesus. And people thought I was crazy. They're like, weren't you just partying the other week? And now you're talking about Jesus? They're like, yeah, but there's a good shepherd, and he lays down his life for his sheep. And his sheep know him and follow him. And I started telling people about Jesus, and God began to change everything in my life. And there was peace and forgiveness and joy. And that's where my heart was gripped by the good shepherd. So let's look together at John 10 and just see what's so magnetic about Jesus and get some help in just a couple quick points. Verse 7 of John chapter 10. Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd. Who does not own the sheep. Sees the wolf coming. And leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know my Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep. That are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life for the sheep, that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Amen. 
there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and he's insane. Why listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind man? Now, I just want us to consider three points today. Number one, Jesus is the door. Number two, that Jesus is the good shepherd. And number three, Jesus has got good news to bring to us today, wherever we're at. Whether we're here today, maybe you're just depressed, you're discouraged, you're looking at the world and you're just like, I can't make sense of this. And Jesus is beginning to help you see that this world needs a savior. And maybe you're here today and you're feeling like internally there's some brokenness that you have not been able to fix. You've been turning to stuff, right, to kind of fix it. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's a relationship that you just are hoping works out. But deep down, none of that has been helping. And you're just ready to hear today, like, I need better news than that. And Jesus is the one who brings it. He says, and this is point number one, I'm the door. I'm the door. Look at verse seven. Jesus said to them again, I am the door, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And then he says it again in verse nine. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus is is not saying like, I'm a door. He's saying, I'm the door, right? And that's a distinction that matters. Jesus isn't just saying like, hey, I've got a way that's going to work out for you. If you you come this way, there's many ways, but, but if you come this way, that'll help out. No, what Jesus is saying is I'm the way. He would say later in the gospel, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. For Jesus, any old way won't do. Right? Verse 8 says, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So I just think about this like reality that Jesus is saying he is the doorway to a new life. He's the doorway to forgiveness. He's the doorway to peace with God and peace within your own soul and peace with the world around you. Like when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, he changes it. And he begins to make you one who is ignited with the love of God and the purpose of God for your life. And I I, I was just thinking about this idea that Jesus is the only way. Some people really struggle with this. It's like, oh, how could you say that, that you're the only way? 
Well, if it's just some random guy saying it, I'd be like, I agree with you. But if Jesus is who he claimed to be, if he's the son of God, if he died for our sins and rose from the grave, if he's the creator of the universe, and he's saying he's the way, then there's some authority behind those words. I remember going to Disneyland, and when I was younger, we would just, you know, try to get into Space Mountain because it was like the coolest ride. It was this roller coaster in Disneyland, and we would literally wait for like an hour to get in. And you would, you would be funneled in this line where it seemed like eons. And for a kid, it was like, we didn't have like switches back then and stuff like, you had like the Etch-a-Sketch and you'd be like, Shh, all right, I gotta do another one, like that, you know? So I'm waiting, right, for, for something to happen. Um, but ultimately, you get up to the end, and there's a person there, and there's a turnstile, and they let you through this turnstile. You're not getting on the ride any other way. And I didn't go up to him and be like, I mean, is this the only way? Like, is this the only way into the ride? When I realized what lay beyond the turnstile, and that there is this glorious ride to get on, I was just like, let's do this. And I went through and the same is true with Jesus. He is the way. Like, there's a way. <laughs> like, there is hope for you, wherever you're at today. There's hope for you. There's hope for you in your marriage. If marital discussions have been tense around the dinner table or in the living room, there's hope for you if you've got a wayward child. There's hope for you if you feel like I'm in a dead-end job and I'm dis I, I just don't know what to do anymore. I feel like I don't have purpose in my life. Or maybe you just feel like my life is so hollow and I'm not experiencing anything real. Does Jesus have anything real to offer me? Well, he says, I am the way to salvation. And you can, you can open a lot of wrong doors in life. I spent 21 years opening wrong doors. And you really hope it's the answer. And then it lets you down. Perhaps some of you in here have went through some doors that you wish you had never opened. But Jesus is saying to you in verse 9, right? He's saying, I am the door and if anyone enters by me he will be saved and he'll go in and out and find pasture that's language of a shepherd and sheep that's like sheep are not real smart animals right like they don't naturally take care of themselves they need care from a shepherd you leave a, a sheep to himself they're going to wander off a cliff and die right and then all the rest are going to follow because they're they're not real smart right but the shepherd cares for them, and the shepherd leads them to pastures that satisfy. That's the imagery Jesus is using here. I'm the door, and I'm the good shepherd, and I'll lead you in. Sometimes people balk, right, at Christianity like, this is just an, another religion, right? Just one more religion. I don't want hypocritical religion. I don't want hypocrisy. I don't want the sort of thing that's just going to be a bunch of rules 
and a bunch of, uh, of rituals and they're hollow and they have no meaning. And if you came in today thinking that that's what Christianity is, like Christianity is just this thing that you do that's like, like, like you're, you're, you, you got to do the Easter Sunday thing, right? If you're, if you're a Christian, come to Easter Sunday, yay. Come to Christmas, yay. But then every day, there's no reality to that. That's not what Jesus is calling us to in this passage. He's using personal pronouns saying, come to a person. He's not just saying, like, come to some religious structure. He's saying, come to a person. I am the door. Verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Do you see that? You got to come to a person. Salvation is intensely personal. Like when God grabbed a hold of my heart, I wasn't coming to some new, you know, ritual or some new program to get help. Like God broke in. God sent somebody with news about who Jesus was at a low moment when I was ready to listen. And I never would have in a million years thought that I'd be preaching the gospel and that I'd be a pastor ever. My grandma used to tell me when I was five, she's the only Christian in my life growing up, she'd be like, you're, you're going to be a preacher when you get older. I was like, yeah, right. Um, but God had a plan, and God is personal, and he is inviting you today. If you don't know Jesus, he's inviting you into something personal, something redemptive. Something that will make your heart whole. Something that will transform you from the inside out. Something that will take all of the, 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 the rebellion, all of the turning away from God that you've been doing your whole life and begin to show you that God's just been loving you all along. And, 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 and he, he orders our lives sometimes to bring us to a crossroads to draw us to himself. That's what happened to me. Maybe that's happening to you today. But Jesus talks like this all over the gospel. John 17, 3, Jesus speaks of eternal life like this. He says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So maybe you've picked every other door you can think of. But none of those led to God. None of those led to a person who's loved you with such a deep love. The Bible says God loves you with an everlasting love. And he made you. And he knows how you're wired. And he knows what you need. And he calls us profoundly into a relationship with him. And his son is saying today no less. I am the door. You want to know how to get to God? You come through me. Verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Like Jesus isn't just promising like a minimal change. He's, a, he's promising abundant life. He's promising satisfaction 
He's promising a, a sense of wholeness, a sense of peace that comes from knowing you're right with God. And then you're, you're, you're being brought into his family. You're being drawn out of Adam's family into the family of God through Jesus. And he, uh, he provides a life that is just full and rich. Jesus is not going to give you the meager portions, right? He's not just going to, he's giving you himself. And we're going to see as this unfolds, like, he's not only the door, but he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. So that's what I want us to see today, is that this doorway leads into abundant life here and for eternity. It's not a life that won't have trouble, but it's better to be in a storm with Jesus than anywhere else without him. It's better to be with the one who said, like in, in, in uh, Psalm 23, David spoke of the good shepherd and said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. So let's look at this good shepherd for a second. Verse 11 shows it to us. Jesus calls himself the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the, sheep, the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing about the sheep. So all of a sudden, Jesus is switching gears a little bit and showing us what it looks like for him to be the shepherd who actually cares for his sheep. Now, when Jesus uses this language, all the good Jews who are listening to him are remembering, you know who's the shepherd of God's people? Israel. God himself is the shepherd. And God in Ezekiel 34 spoke a word against all of the false shepherds of Israel. Because there were people, priests, and there were religious leaders who were supposed to be leading people towards God. And they were fleecing the flock to make a buck. They were feeding their own bellies and they were leaving the sheep destitute. So Jesus is like, hey, I'm not like that. I'm not like a hired hand. I'm not like somebody who's just there. But when danger comes, I'm going to peace out and say, forget you. I'm the good shepherd and I prove my goodness by giving my life for the sheep. He's a, he's a shepherd who's willing to give himself up. He's willing to stand in the face of danger. He's willing to take the hit. So that the sheep might be safe and saved. And that's what he's saying. He's saying he's the true shepherd of Israel. He's the true shepherd of the people of God. You want to know anything uh, about who Jesus is? He is the one who actually cares about you. He actually cares about you where you're at. He actually cares about you where you're struggling. All through the Gospels, people are scandalized because Jesus 
came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to the people who were broken. He came to the people who were struggling. He came to tax collectors and prostitutes and blind people and deaf people and demon-possessed people, and he healed them and set them free. He gave hope to a people dwelling in darkness because they saw that in him light had dawned. There's nobody like Jesus in the history of the planet, and he's changed the face of all of history because he died on the cross for us. I laid down my life for the sheep. And he didn't stay in the tomb. He rose up out of the grave. And you got to think about this for a second. A little offshoot sect of Judaism. Who a Messiah arises and can do miraculous things. And secular sources and sources hostile to Christianity all report that Jesus could do miracles. You can look, go look up the works of Josephus. You can go look up the works uh, in the Jewish Talmud that speak of Je Jesus having the powers of a sorcerer. They're, they attribute it to demons, right? But ultimately, Jesus could do supernatural stuff. And then he gets killed on a wooden cross. And if the story ended there, there's not much to talk about. But every single one of his disciples went to their death because of the claim and the reality and the truth that he did not stay dead, but he rose. The one answer to death this world has ever seen and no, about, uh, no amount of medicine, no amount of human engineering can turn back the clock or stop death. But Jesus stopped death. And he made it work backwards. And he burst out of the tomb in victory. He swallowed up death in victory. So this shepherd not only died for you, but this shepherd burst up out of the tomb victorious. To gather a flock to himself. That's what the Bible teaches. Look at verse 14 with me for a second. Jesus has such intimate knowledge of, of, of his sheep and of his people and of you right now today. I know my own and my own know me. That's what he says in verse 14, right? He says, I know my own and my own know me. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I laid down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep, not of this fold. That's speaking of the Gentiles. Jesus isn't just the savior of Jews. He's the savior of Gentiles. The first disciples were Jews, but the gospel goes out to the Gentile world which is all non-Jews. He's got other sheep that are not of this fold and they will listen to my voice 
So there would be one flock, one shepherd. Jesus creates a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And he calls them to himself. And when you look at the church, you see a diverse group of people from all tribes, tongues, and nations. Meeting, united, one in Christ because the, 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 the walls of separation are broken down. You're, you're one by Jesus. You're united in him. You've died the death that he's died on the cross, the Bible says. You've been drawn in. The life he has that he rose up out of the grave with has been given to you. So there's something uniting people in Jesus that transcends cultures it transcends ethnic barriers. It transcends classes. Because right, sin is a white-collar problem and a blue-collar problem. Jesus can deal with a man born blind who's a beggar. And he can also take somebody like Nicodemus or Paul the Apostle, who's the most educated rabbinic scholar and win him, even though he was hostile. Jesus can unite a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. There's nobody in the history of the planet that can unite a people like that. Because what he said he did, he did. And now we're going to get to the good news, and I want to close with this. We've been sprinkling it in all throughout. But now we start to see like this Jesus makes claims that are not ordinary. They're supernatural. He claims to do what nobody else could do. He claims to defeat death through resurrection. Look at it with me in verse 17. For this reason, the Father loves me. Because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Do you realize, like, Jesus is in total control of his life. Sometimes you can kind of think as you read the Gospels... Maybe Jesus is out of control or something, and this is just happening to him, and poor Jesus, he doesn't really have anything to do with it. But ultimately, Jesus voluntarily went to the cross. Sure, he was betrayed by Judas. Sure, he was handed over to the Romans by the Jewish authorities. Sure, Pontius Pilate nailed him to a cross after he had flogged him 40 times and mocked and spit on him. But Jesus is saying right here in the text before us, I have the authority to lay down my life and take it up again. Do you realize that Jesus loves us so much that he willingly went to the cross? He cares about you individually in here. Maybe you're going through a, a real hard season and you feel like nobody on earth cares about you. But Jesus does. And he was willing to do this for you, if you'll believe. 
But Jesus also claims to have the authority to undo death itself. And deep down, the one thing that we all hate to talk about and we want to stuff under the rug is the reality of death. Every single one of us will face it. Those we love will face it. There will be horrific tragedies living in a fallen world that are hard to explain. But when you have the lens of the Bible that reminds you that human evil is a very real thing and human sin is the cause of it and there's a brokenness to humanity and death comes in as a tragic invader into our world it was never meant to be so that's why all of us really we balk at it we struggle with the reality. Perhaps some of you in here today are really, really heavy in your hearts about this very thing because it's touched you to the core and it's really changed your life in some ways. Your vision of death. There's only one person in human history who can change death and make it work backwards. And he declares to you right out of verse 18, no one takes my life. No one can take it from me. I lay it down of my own accord and I have the authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. Easter Sunday with the Good Shepherd is an announcement that Jesus has deal, dealt the death blow to your greatest enemy. Death itself. And he swallowed it up in victory. And he reminds us that in him, there is hope. He once said to Mary and Martha, who had a brother named Lazarus, who got, Lazarus got sick and died. And Jesus couldn't make it on time and Four days he was rotting in a tomb. And Jesus approaches the scene and, and all of a sudden they come to him and they're just weeping and every, the whole town's crying. If you'd only come sooner, surely the one who can give sight to the blind, surely the one who can heal lepers, surely the one who can cast out demons could have stopped him from dying. And Jesus gave them the same answer that I give you today. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And they said, yes, we believe. I mean, sure, we believe that. We know you're going to raise people up on the end of the age. But Jesus had a plan to do something right then and there. And he asked to go over to the tomb. And he said, roll away the stone. And everybody probably thought he was crazy. But he looked into the tomb. 
And he cried out, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus was summoned out of the grave, still in grave bandages, walking towards them. And what a sight. Who can do this but Jesus? Who can do this but the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep and rises up out of the grave to give us hope beyond the grave? Now, I don't know where you came in today. You could be a champion of the Lord and just excited to be in here about Jesus, right? We're in the, the, the house of the Lord. We're worshiping King Jesus. We're talking about the good shepherd. And this Sunday is a Sunday celebration shout. But maybe you're in here and you're like, I'm not all that excited. And I'm really struggling. But I've been listening. And maybe today, the spirit of God through the good shepherd's been speaking to you. He's been saying, I've been, I've been calling out to you your whole life. I've been speaking to you about you're running away from me. And you've been going through all sorts of doors and they've not been the answer. And maybe even death has come knocking on your door. And you had nowhere to turn. And the good shepherd says to you today, I know my sheep and they know me and they hear my voice and they follow. And maybe God is speaking to you today about getting your heart right with him. Maybe the love of Jesus just needs to warm your heart afresh. And you need to be reminded of just how much God loves you. 1 John 4, 9 tells us that in this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that's just a fancy way of saying a wrath-bearing substitute. Jesus on the cross takes our sin on himself. He takes the judgment we deserve in order to give all who will believe in him a right standing with God. We've got an inner problem and God gives us an, a solution from outside of us to break in, to deal with it. We've got a future with death being a reality, one out of one people die. But the good news is that Jesus has an answer to it. So where's your heart today as you stand or as you sit and you contemplate this glorious Easter news? Like Jesus is summoning disciples to himself. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Maybe the Lord has been speaking to you for a long time today. And it's starting to click.
I just want to encourage you to come to Jesus. He's got the rescue that you need. He's got the hope that you long for. And he's got the peace that changes things. But you've got to go through the turnstile. You can't stop short of Space Mountain and be like, oh, I don't want to go in that way. There are so many things that the Lord wants to do in your life. And he stands at the door and knocks. He says, anybody who lets me in, I'll come in and transform their life. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for this time. I thank you for the good news gospel. Lord, I pray for this moment. I pray, Father, that where hearts may be freshly encouraged by the gospel, Lord, that you would just fan the flames of a love for Jesus. Where maybe some have come in here and just felt like, I need answers. And, and Jesus is claiming to be the door. And I've tried so many other doors. And I, would just, I just want to open that door. Because that's what Jesus said to do. To come in, enter by me, and he will provide salvation. And maybe that's where your heart is at today. Maybe you're in here and you've, you've just walked away from the Lord. You had a relationship with him at one point. Father, I pray for those who may have walked away. And you're calling them back today to yourself. Father God, I, I pray for your work to be done in our hearts wherever we are, whatever category we've come in, and you know your sheep, and you love them, and you call them to yourself. And just as we're praying, if, if you just want to ask the Lord to come into your life, you want to open the door, I just want to ask you to put your hand in the air. I'd like to pray for you. Maybe God's been speaking to you, and you're just like, I want to ask Jesus in I want this salvation. I don't have it, but I want it. And I want to taste and see the Lord is good. Just slip your hand in the air and I would love to pray for you. If anybody here is there. Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He says, come in. Father God, I just pray Lord Jesus, that as we sing this last song to honor and worship you, Father, would you do a special work of reminding us this glorious news that we've spent time contemplating? Would you help us to taste and see the Lord is good? Would you draw us to yourself in a powerful way? And Lord, we just want more of you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.